Well, good evening, everybody. How are you? It's good to see you guys tonight. I'm excited to speak tonight. We've been speaking about a, a series called Fresh, and we've been looking at the, uh, the gift, not the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. And it's so great to worship with you guys, so great to have the presence of God, so great um, to have the freedom just to sing to God, to pray, uh, to be with an incredible group of people like yourselves. And I'm excited. I'm excited about digging in tonight. We're talking about the fruit of goodness. But this series has been challenging for me because when I look at the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, when I look at that list, it's a good gauge. Kevin, how are you doing in, with love right now? How are you doing with patience Kevin, how are you doing with goodness and, and gentleness? How, how faithful are you right now? Um, these are, it's, it's, it's challenging, and that's a good thing. The Word of God should challenge us. And we should look at these things, and, and if we see something missing, it shouldn't just be, oh, well, I've got to find a way to get more patience. No, we've we got to get more spirit, because it's the fruit of the Spirit. So it's like, I need to spend more time walking in the spirit if I want the fruit of the spirit it's not let me find some formula to get more faithfulness it's I need to take some time out and I need to spend time listening to the Holy Spirit I need to let the Holy Spirit move in my heart I need to let him change me and work in me and so that he can bear fruit so it's out of Galatians chapter 5 and Uh, My question that I'd like to start out with is, what achievements are we truly hoping for in life? Now, what achievements are we looking for? Now, if 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 we answer that question in a real proper way, we might give a real spiritual answer, but the real answer lies in how do we live our lives every day? What are, what are the things that we think about? What are the things that we are hoping for? I really hope this happens. What are those things? So it's, it's probably we want to look good. We think about that a lot. We do a lot of things to try to make ourselves look good. Uh, we want to be accepted. We want to be appreciated. We want to be talented. We want to have the skills. We want uh, success. We want money. But when we look at Scripture, we notice that those things are noticeably absent. Isn't that interesting? Because the scripture doesn't say that the fruit of the spirit is talent, success, admiration, wealth, and beauty. That's not what the fruit of the spirit is. The fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So I think God told Paul to write this in Galatians 5 because it grounds us. And it centers us on what is actually important in life. Let's talk about the fruit of goodness. I'm excited about this fruit. It's similar to kindness or maybe you could similar to love. But, but there's a reason that goodness is in there. Um, David wrote in Psalm 23. You guys probably know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But he says later in, in verses 5 and 6. He says, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me 
all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My cup overflows. I love that. David is just a poet. He's a great songwriter, a musician, uh, and a, a prayer warrior. He, he, he loves to worship the Lord. And he says, my cup overflows. Now, when God pours out into a cup and the cup, you know, it's, it's getting us, you know, a quarter full, halfway full, three quarters full, and it just keeps going. And then it gets to the top and God doesn't stop pouring. Like that's his desire. God's desire is just to keep pouring. Like when you and I pour a cup, we, we make a drink. We like to leave a little room at the top, right? We don't, we don't pour it all the way to the brim, and then you like have to very gently like walk. Some of you do this, especially with coffee. I know my wife does this from time to time. She forgets to, re, to leave room for cream. So she pours the coffee, and says, oh, i got to have cream. And then it's like all the way to the top. But most of the time when we're just making something, you know, when it's just one thing like water or whatever, uh, we, we leave a little room at the top. But God isn't like that. See, he's not afraid to make messes. And I think that God would have our lives to be maybe a little bit more messy, especially if it meant that the Holy Spirit filled us up so much to that we would overflow, and that overflow would make an impact on other people. See, I think that, that Jesus, he said yes to messes. And a, a few months ago, you know, I, I, think, I think God gave me something um, and, and it was in a message, and I said, say yes to hassles. Because Jesus found himself into some hassles, into some messes and messy situations because people are a mess. And if you're trying to help people, it's a messy situation. And so we like to leave a little room at the top. We're like, we like to say, okay, you know, like if you're at a restaurant or whatever, you might put your hand over the cup, like, okay, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. I, that's all that I need. Let's not do that with God. Sometimes we feel like, man, I've been to church so much lately. Man, I've been on top of my daily Bible reading, my version plan. I, I am, I'm lined up. I'm not even a couple of days behind. I'm like right on the money, and I'm doing good. And so if somebody says, you know, hey, do you want to listen to this podcast? Or, hey, do you want to read this book? Or hey, your, pre- your, your pastor says, hey, check out this, this verse and read this in, in your, and like, okay, I'm good. You might, it's like putting your hand over the cup. I, I'm full. Well, we're really not full. Let us never, this is a prayer, okay? Let us never get to the place where we say, I'm good. Let's just say, God, come on, come on. I need more. I want more of you. Keep pouring. Keep pouring. Fill me up so that I overflow. And like David, we could say, my cup overflows. Let's say yes to messes. Let's say yes to hassles because that's what people are and that's what Jesus would do. And that's what God has called us to be like, is to be like him. He told us, he said, as the Father sent me, I also send you. Jesus sent us. He, he commissioned us. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Go make disciples of all nations. Who is, who is he talking to? The pastors or just the 12 disciples or just the early church? I think he's talking to everybody. He's talking to us. When he commissioned us, as the Father sent me, I also sent you. I send you. 
That's what Jesus says to us. And so he's sending us, and he's sending us to do what? To do good. To do good. The scripture says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He went about doing good. And this is what he has called us to do. He tells a really cool story in Luke chapter 10. Why, why, why Luke? Everything is Luke right now. We're studying Luke at big church on Sunday morning. Um, I, I told Cody not to put it on the screen tonight. I thought it would be cool if we opened up our Bibles. Or you could open up your phone to uh, Luke chapter 10, your, your app if you have the Bible app. Uh, but Luke chapter 10, this is kind of a long story, so I'd love it if you guys would follow along. But this is a parable that Jesus told, and this is a parable that, that was told 2,000 years ago, and I think it still makes such a powerful impact on us. Uh, Jesus told this story, not just for the guys that were hanging around at the time, he told this story for us, because he sends us, and he sends us out to do good. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25, are you there yet? Okay. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, this is the ESV, by the way, Help if that helps. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I don't know about you, but this verse challenges me. This story challenges me. Why? Because I'm a, I'm a preacher and in this story, the preacher, not only does he go right by the guy who's in need, hurting on the side of the road, but the preacher just crosses over to the other side. And almost, I can just imagine just doing this, just kind of hiding his eyes. Well, this guy's gotten himself into trouble. He's not, I, I can't bother with him. He's not my concern. This guy is, he's probably deserved it. Well, you reap what you sow. Here he is. Who knows? What brought this on? He's probably looking for trouble, and, and, and I, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. I, I, I've got things to do. Okay, God, I've I got to go and do what God's called me to do. I can't be distracted by something that, you know, this isn't on my agenda. It's not on my schedule. So this is, this is a very challenging 
parable, but, but here's another prayer. May we never be the priest in this story. May we never be the Levite in this story who was an assistant to the, preach, pre, uh, the priest. He was an assistant. He worked in the temple. And he knew better. And he missed it. Those guys missed it. May we be the good Samaritan who got into a mess because he had compassion. God, give us compassion like this man had. That's what we need. You know, you know who we have compassion for? The number one person that we think about the most. We have compassion on us. We have compassion for us, and we want everybody else to have compassion on us. We spend so much time feeling sorry for ourselves that we don't have time to think about other people and what they're going through and how maybe life has beaten them up, and they're just on the side of the road just barely hanging on. But we're so focused on ourselves and what, what's going on with us that we kind of just hold up our hands. and like, I can't, I can't think about that right now. I can't look at that right now. Uh, I, got, I got my own issues going on here. But if we will get our eyes off of ourselves and we will open up our eyes and we will look around and pay attention, if we will listen to what people are saying, because people who are hurting, if we listen and if we look, they're not hard to find. People who need us are not hard to find. And it's just a matter of paying attention. And if we will open up our eyes to what's really going on, I believe that God will give us compassion. And we will be like that good Samaritan. Let's not hide our eyes. Whatever we do, let's make sure we're not hiding our eyes. Let's do what Jesus said. He said, go and do likewise at the end of this story. This is what he told him. How can I... How can I be a good neighbor? How can I love my neighbor? Jesus laid it out, and it's so simple. It's not easy. It's a mess. It's a hassle. Think this wasn't a hassle for this good Samaritan? Spend his own money? To, he was planning on taking this trip, and now he puts this guy on his own animal, and he rides him into town? He gets him a hotel room. He spends money uh, pouring oil and wine on him, binding up his wounds. Think that's not a hassle? Oh, that's a hassle. But the good Samaritan was the only one in the story who really loved his neighbor. So how can we do that? It's so simple. So it's right there. Go and do likewise. Believers should be the best at demonstrating goodness. The world should never outdo us when it comes to demonstrating goodness, should they? Not because it's like we're competing, but we have Jesus in us. If people see goodness in us, they'll see goodness in Christ because we are Christ followers. That's going to make a huge impact on them. So instead of us just being known for what we're against, how about let's be known for what we are for? That we are for love. We are for goodness. We are for being a good Samaritan. We are for being, uh, being there for the broken. We are for hassles. We are for messes. We are for not just leaving room in the cup, but God, just fill me up. 
fill me up and let my cup run over and let that just spill and let it reach other people and let it make an impact on other people. Sometimes we think that criticism is our spiritual gift. And when we see some, somebody doing something bad that we think will help them by pointing out their badness. But it's not really going to help, is it? We're not going to win someone to Christ by pointing out their badness, but we can win someone to Christ by pointing out God's goodness. And when they see goodness in us, they will see goodness in Christ because we are his followers. That's our name. We are Christians. That comes from the word Christ, doesn't it? We're Jesus followers. We're made in his image. As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus also sends us to go into all the world, to, to do what he did, to do good and heal those who are oppressed by the devil. So Romans 2.4, Paul said, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repent. This is how we can win people to Christ. This is how uh, people can, can become turned on to Christ. And like, you know, I'm really interested in, in God. I'm, I'm really interested in learning more about him. I'm really interested in getting to the Bible and learning more. Because it's when they see goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repent. It's not about pointing out all the ways that they've sinned and pointing out all the ways that they're bad. Let's point to how good God is. Look at the cross. Look at what God has done. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the goodness of God. That whoever, uh, whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. That's the goodness of God, and that's who we need to be pointing to. And we have a great opportunity to point to Jesus when we do good. Hey, can I carry those groceries for you? Hey, can I pray for you? Hey, can I mow your lawn? Hey, uh, can, I, can, I just, can I just give you 20 bucks and you just go out with your friends, just go to a movie, I just want to bless you? Hey, can I help out in any way? Hey, what's going on? When we... We demonstrate the goodness, our own goodness, and the goodness that is overflowing out of us, we're pointing to Jesus. Um, a few years ago, I think it was actually 2009, there was a huge earthquake in Haiti, and it was devastating to the buildings and the homes, and everything just crashed down. And um, not long after that, my wife and I, we took a, a team of young adults to Haiti to do a mission trip and to share the good news. And we actually got to build some brand new homes and give people a brand new home. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, Christina was just telling me this story and, and we're, at, we're under this tent and um, we were there for having a Sunday morning church service and the people are coming and they're dressed in their best, the best of what they have. And they're singing songs and, and um, they were, <clears throat> they were, talking about this verse that comes out of Psalm 27, verse 13. I will remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And Christina is just thinking about this verse. I will remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, Haiti doesn't look like the land of the living. It, it's 
It's awful. It's dry. It's hot. Things don't, crops don't grow well there. People are starving. It's one of the poorest countries in the world, if not the poorest. How will they see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? And as she was thinking about that and kind of asking herself this question, God spoke to her. And he said, just look around. And she began to look around and see the the faces of these beautiful people. And God told her, my goodness is found in my people. Goodness is found in my people. And they were full of the joy of the Lord. They were like worshiping and having such a great time in like the worst circumstances you could imagine. Living this whole village was nothing but tents. Nobody had a solid home with real walls and a real roof. And they're cooking outside over these campfires and they don't even have much to cook in the first place. But the goodness of God is found in his people. So my prayer tonight is that the goodness of God would be found in us. May God's goodness be found in you. May God's goodness be seen in you. And may God use you to proclaim his goodness. May God use you to point others to him. May your cup run over. And may God give you big ideas of ways that you can demonstrate his goodness. Let's pray. Father, you are truly good. You said that no one is good except for God. And Lord, uh, I'm so grateful that you live in us. And that the more that we walk in your spirit, the more that we listen to your spirit and let your spirit change us and mold us, the fruit of your spirit comes out. And we pray for that to happen in us. I pray that we would not be distracted, that we would uh, be focused on you, that we would be listening to you, that you would open up our eyes. We come to you tonight humbly because we know that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And we, we come to your throne of grace, Lord, and we need help. We need you to open up our eyes. We need help taking our eyes off of ourselves and to see what is going on around us and to see the hurting people. Because we're not interested in just playing church. We're not interested in just doing the same old, same old. Lord, we wanna, want our cup to overflow. We want you to fill us up, and we don't want to leave any room for ourselves. We don't want to leave any room for distraction. Just keep pouring, God. Keep pouring. Fill us up and let us overflow and spill out. And even if it's messy, we want to make an impact on the world around us. We want to do the most with what you've given us in this time that we have. And so we ask for help. We ask you to speak to us tonight. I pray that you would be moving as we, as we do table talk tonight, that you would speak, that we would be able to bounce some things off of each other then learn from each other and get inspired by you, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.